Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. We're looking at the signs of a mature Christian. You know, when you look at a human being, you can tell how old they are. Sometimes it's a little tricky, especially with women. I'm always very nervous to try and guess their age. But generally, you can tell if a person is an adult or a child. And in spiritual terms, while we can't use our physical eyes, we can use the Bible to see how mature a person is. We've looked at various characteristics of a person's spirituality to say, this is a sign that you are mature or maturing. And today I want to look at a very simple one. It's whether you've been around the block a few times. And this has to do with time and testing. You know, when Paul was writing to Timothy and telling him how to choose elders and deacons, the leaders of the church in Ephesus, he gave him characteristics and he said this, the person must not be a novice in 1 Timothy 3 verse 6, not a novice. Other versions say not a recent convert, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. So that's speaking of time. They must not be a recent convert. They has to have elapsed a certain number of years. He doesn't define how many years, but you know, Jesus was with his disciples for three years before he released them fully into ministry. And so I think three years is probably the minimum that I would say for this kind of role. But then he goes on to say in verse nine, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience they must have wrestled with things a little bit. And then he goes on to say, let these also first be tested and then let them serve. And that word tested is a word that is used in other places in the Bible to talk about refining of gold. You know, when gold is refined, it's put into a, a, a heated place, often a thousand degrees Celsius, very, very hot and the gold and the impurities separate. And the Bible speaks about being tested and, and how we have to have gone through a few things. And so this characteristic of a mature Christian is this. Have they been around the block a few times? Do they have a few scars and battle wounds? Do they have wrinkles and maybe a few gray hairs? Not necessarily physically, but spiritually. Have they walked with the Lord? Have they wrestled through difficulties and have they undergone some tests and some trials? Now, this isn't a popular story, but it is the truth. You know, there's many, many places where Jesus talks about time and experience and tribulation as being necessary for us to grow as Christians. There are also many examples right from the start of the Bible to the end of people who were called by God and anointed by God and had the gifting of God upon them, but they had to go through a time period and tests or trials or tribulations in order for their faith to be refined and for them to be ready to do various things for the Lord. Abraham is the big example. It says when he was 75, he came into uh, Ur of the Chaldeans. But even before that, God had spoken to him. But it was only when he was 100 years old that the promised child was given to him. There was a long period of waiting, trying, testing, difficulties, wrestling through things. 
King David was anointed as king as a young boy, but it was many years later that he was installed on the throne of Israel and Judah. There are many others. Moses, he knew when he was 40 years old, he was supposed to deliver the Israelites, but it wasn't until he was 80 and he'd spent 40 years in the wilderness that he actually led them out. And there are so many examples all the way through the Bible. Even Jesus was only 30. It was only when he was 30 that he began his ministry. And even then he spent 40 days in the wilderness being tested and tried. And Hebrews tells us he learnt obedience by what he suffered. Wow, what a verse that is. Even the Son of God had to be trained through various trials and through time. Paul the Apostle was called by God and told what he was supposed to do, but it was 14 years later that he was released into ministry. And in those 14 years, his wife probably left him in, in Tarsus, and he was probably beaten several times because his list of trials that he lists in 2 Corinthians of beatings and all the different things he went through, only some of those are recorded in the book of Acts, which means some of them must have happened in that 14-year period of waiting. Joseph is another one given a dream, but many years later after prison and time, he becomes the fulfillment of that dream as the prime minister of Egypt. So we see that there is this pattern and you might say to me, well, I'm a new Christian. What must I do? Must I just sit there on my hands and do nothing? Must I look for trials and struggles so that I can mature? No, no, that's not the point. The point is not necessarily just going through these things, but it's how we go through them. I have met people who have been Christians for 40 years. They've had plenty of time. And they've had plenty of trials, but they haven't matured because they haven't handled these challenges in the way that God wants us to. Let me just tell you about the life cycle of faith just quickly before I get into the verses here. So faith is born. Well, God gives us a measure of faith. Romans 12 verse 3 says God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. When we first get saved, God gives us a measure of faith and then we can Add to that faith, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We can add to our faith. Um, we know that faith is then tested and it can die. So it's tested. 1 Peter 1, 7 says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So your faith is tested. It's a bit like going to the gym and testing your muscles and they can grow. But it says faith can die. James 2.26 says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. When I hear God's word and faith is born in me, I can choose either to act on it or to not act on it. Faith with works grows strong, even through testing. Faith without works, if I hear God's word and I'm inspired by faith and I want to obey, but then I choose not to, it says, just as the body without the spirit used to be alive, but now it's dead. So faith without works used to be alive, but now it's dead. So that's the, the life cycle of faith. It comes first from God. Then you grow it by reading God's word. It gets tested through trials and you obey or you disobey, but it can grow. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3 says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. 
So faith is the thing that we're talking about here. It's not your physical body, it's your faith that starts small and has to grow, but it's how we handle the testing that enables us to grow. We can choose to dig deep and press into God and get stronger in Him and draw strength from Him. And just like gold is refined through heat and it becomes purer, our faith can become purer and cleaner and stronger. And just like our physical muscles are strengthened through hardship, our faith can be strengthened through trials. But we don't look for those trials, they just happen. There are four, three reasons in the Bible for struggles and trials to happen. I'm not going to go into them in detail, but I'm just going to tell you briefly. In 1 Peter 4, he says that sometimes we go through trials and sufferings and, and struggles. He says, don't be surprised by them. They're going to happen to everyone. But he says, sometimes it's because of God. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. He says, sometimes we go through struggles and trials because we are Christians. We say, yes, Lord, I'm serving you. Just like in the parable of the sower, Jesus told about the, the different types of soil. The seed goes in, sometimes it bounces off, it never penetrates. Other times it goes into shallow soil. And Jesus said that the, the person responds to God with gladness and joy. They're excited. But when persecution comes because of the word, they fall away. So sometimes suffering and, and trials come because we name the name of Christ, because the enemy is against us and he has ways and, and agents and methods and schemes and he is against us. So sometimes you have suffering just because you are serving Christ and the, the world hates you because the world hates Christ and the devil hates you because the devil hates Christ. And sometimes that is the reason. And Peter says, Rejoice. The Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory is upon you when that happens. Sometimes we suffer because of our own sin, and Peter speaks of this as well. He says, Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, evildoer, busybody, and other people's matters. Sometimes if we sin, there are consequences. Some of those consequences are we allow the devil to have a foothold in our lives and he torments us. Sometimes there's just physical, natural consequences. If I Sin, it's bad for me physically and emotionally. And sometimes other people will go against me because I've done something wrong to them or to someone else. So that's the second reason for suffering. And then the third reason is just because we live in a broken, sin-stained world, there is suffering. Jesus was asked by his disciples. They found a man born blind. They said, did he sin or was it his parents? Who sinned that caused this? And Jesus said, neither. Sometimes suffering happens because we're in a broken world. It's not God's plan. It's not somebody else's plan. It's not the devil. It's just a broken world that causes suffering. And that's why we have so much suffering in the world. Jesus mentioned when he was talking to his disciples, he mentioned the fact that there were some people who were killed when a tower fell on them. And then some other people were making a sacrifice at the altar and they were murdered. And he said, do you think they were worse sinners than anyone else? No. In other words, sometimes suffering happens not because of sin, not because you're serving God, just because we live in a broken world. But one thing we can be sure of, trials and sufferings will happen. John 16, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So, how do we deal with all these things? 
Let's look at a couple of these verses. Romans 5 verse 3 says, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So one of the ways that I handle tribulation is I, I glory in it because I know that God is using it to produce perseverance, character, hope. If I respond correctly, if I allow faith to be strengthened and deepened and I turn to God instead of blaming God or blaming other people or feeling sorry for myself, if I glory and I say, thank you, God, I don't know why necessarily this bad thing's happening to me, but I thank you that you are using it in my life. You are working in my life. Just a, an interesting point. You know, the word trial or test and temptation often in the Bible, most times is exactly the same word. Temptation and test are the same word. And the word patience and perseverance are the same word. Uh, and the word hear and obey are the same word. Just, just an interesting side point. But when we read perseverance or patience, it's usually the same word. When we read testing or temptation, or trial, it's usually the same word, because the idea behind it is the same. And what he says here is when you face tribulations, you glory in them because of what God can do through them. You know, God can use bad things for good. Joseph, at the end of his life, his brothers were guilty that they'd put him in, in a pit and sold him to slave traders. And he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to bring about a good end, to save many people's lives. God works all things together for good if we turn to him and we thank him for it. There's a book from the 1960s by a man called Merlin Carruthers called Prison to Praise, where he just started praising God for every circumstance in his life because of what God could do through it to make him stronger. And God can do that if you praise him and glory in your tribulations because God is working them for good. It brings great reward. Another verse is Matthew 24. Jesus said, And many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to every nation. He who endures to the end. Many's, many people's love will grow cold because in the end times it's going to be hard. That The result of tribulation in some Christians' lives are they're going to turn away from God. They're going to let it make them bitter and hard-hearted and upset. But he says if you endure to the end, if you allow it to bring you closer to God, then you will be saved. Perseverance is a sign of maturity. 1 Peter 1 verse 6, Peter speaks about trials a lot. In fact, throughout the book of 1 Peter, in just about every chapter, he speaks about trials. And in verse 6 of chapter 1, he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. So he says we rejoice even in the midst of trials. Why? Because the trials, in verse 7, he says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I say, thank you, God, that this trial is testing my faith. I didn't know there were these impurities in my faith. I thought I believed your word. I thought I trusted you. I thought I knew what you were 
doing in my life, but this trial has revealed some impurities, some areas where I wasn't trusting you, where I didn't really know your word correctly, where I wasn't living by your word. And thank you that I can remove those impurities and the genuineness of my faith gets stronger, resulting in praise, honor, and glory to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And so I can rejoice in tribulations. And then James 1 verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Can you see the theme throughout all these verses? He says, we can rejoice in the midst of trial. That's not that we become masochists where we want to be hurt. No, no. We say, I don't like the trial. I'd rather not have it. But I know these things will happen because I live in this world. And therefore, I'm going to rejoice that God is using them for good. My faith is being purified and I'm being drawn closer to him. He says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or perseverance. Patience or perseverance simply means this. I am in this for the long haul. You know, Jesus spoke about somebody going to war and somebody building a tower. And he said, in both cases, they count the cost beforehand. You don't venture into something with, with no planning or no thought about the consequences. You think about it and you think, wow, have I got the grit, the determination? Am I willing to see this through to the end? And that's what the parable of the sower says. Some people are in shallow soil because they haven't put the root deep saying, God, I'm with you, even if there are trials and tribulations. For richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, I'm yours, Lord, forever until death brings us together. That is the attitude of perseverance. And he says, consider it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing, the refining, the purifying of your faith produces patience or perseverance. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Isn't that beautiful? So what do we do with this? I'm going to read you a couple of, of closing verses. In Mark 4 verse 26, Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Jesus was saying there is a process. There is a process. He's, he was warning us and, and guiding us in advance, saying Christianity is a long road, but you have to just follow the process. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head. There is a maturing process. Time needs to be taken for you to be a mature Christian. You just need to spend time with God. But he says, the seed has to go in and it sprouts and grows and he doesn't even know how. I've got to follow the right process. I've got to be patient, but also I've got to say, God, I'm putting your word in and I'm allowing it to grow. Do you remember the life cycle of faith? God gives a measure of faith. Then we add to it by reading his word. Then it gets tested and it grows and we obey it and it gets stronger and increases more and more. He says here, just allow God's word to have its way. The parable of the sower. This parable of, of the growing seed. All these different stories, they tell the same message that we need to allow God's word to have its way. The, the faith 
that God has given us. He wants it to grow stronger and stronger. Uh, Hebrews 6 verse 11. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. He's just been speaking about people who followed God and obeyed God's word and saw his promises come to pass. And he says, we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. My friend, God is saying to you, I want you to make it to the end. Verse 12, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You've got a choice. You can become sluggish. In other words, you allow your faith to die by not following God, or you can have faith and patience or perseverance and say, God, I'm choosing through all this time and through all these trials to get closer to you and we inherit the promises of God. My friend, I need to speak to you directly and say to you that God has a plan for you. He wants you to be saved. Now, the reason all of these verses are so important is because if we don't go the, the correct way, if we don't allow our faith to grow through these trials, what happens is our faith can become stagnant and then it can die. We, we saw from James chapter 2 that faith without works is dead. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter gives a description of the growth of a believer. And he says, if you add all these things to your faith, then you will grow, uh, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, uh, to knowledge self-control. And he goes through all these points. And then he says, for if these things are yours and abound, in other words, are increasing, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. What he's saying is you can either grow in Christ or you can become short-sighted to the point of blindness and stumble and your call and election may not even be sure but he says grow 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 don't stay the same because you have a risk of going from short-sighted into blindness into stumbling faith without works is dead he says grow and so my dear christian my dear brother or sister i must ask you how are you doing with time but also how are you doing with allowing the trials to purify and strengthen your faith? Have you become stagnant? Have you allowed the trials to make you bitter and resentful? Maybe you just, you, you're like a, a person, who, a boxer who's been punched so many times, you just don't want to fight anymore. I want to say to you, God has promised he will not let you be tested or tempted beyond what you can bear. He'll provide a way out so you can stand up under it. And he says, if you come back to him, you may say, you know, I've allowed my faith to become weak and maybe even to die in all these areas of my life. I haven't taken the right road. God says, come back to me. Just break your heart before me and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Humble yourself before the Lord. And he gives grace and faith again. Will you pray with me today? Pray that you are restored and that you grow in the right direction. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you that this road ahead of me 
is not a lonely road, but you are with me. Lord Jesus, you ran the road ahead of me and you are with me every step of the way. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've warned me that it is a long road and that I need perseverance and strength and I need to endure. Lord, I want to thank you now for the word of God, which gives me faith and strength for your spirit that gives me the help that I need. But also, Lord, I want to thank you for these trials. I want to consider it joy when people speak badly of me because the spirit of God and glory is upon me. Lord, even when the trials have been caused by my own mistakes, I thank you that you forgive me and you work all things together for good. Even when people are treating me unfairly, Lord, I thank you for it because you are pushing me closer to you and you are working in me. You are refining my faith and you are making me stronger. Lord, right now, I thank you for these trials in my life. I thank you for the opposition, for the, the struggles that I'm having for the challenges, for the things that test my faith. And I thank you, Lord, that my faith is being refined and that it's worth more than precious, precious gold. Lord Jesus, I commit myself and all of these things to you. And I will thank you every day for the way you're working in my life. I will take the high road. I will allow my faith to grow exceedingly more and more. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we love you. We have a website called leadinglightsnetwork.com. We have so many resources, but we are also at the end of an email or a message. We have an app that you can use. We would love to help you grow in your faith and to start doing great things for the Lord. Because maturity is not just being mature, but it's helping others. And God wants you to do great things for him wherever you are. Hook up with us. We would love to hear from you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.